Hi there. You're listening to So What, a podcast from Canadian Mennonite University. My name is Jonas Cornelson. Thanks for joining me. CMU is located on Treaty 1 land in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I'm in Treaty 7, Calgary, Alberta. Have you ever thought about getting old? Do you already think you are old? When does a person become old? If you graduated from CMU, say, within the past decade, like me, these questions might not seem relevant to you. So why bring them up on this podcast? Well, for me, it boils down to this. Wherever we are on the journey toward old age, if everything goes well, that's where we're all headed for. In my other life, when I'm not doing this podcast, I'm a diploma student in therapeutic recreation with a focus in gerontology. So I probably spend more time than other 27-year-olds thinking about what it means to get older and specifically how to make the best of the aging process through leisure activities. A number of studies I've read about suggest that people who think about the possibilities and possible limits of aging earlier in life tend to have a smoother ride on the aging journey. So that being said, when CMU hosted an online face-to-face event just over a month ago on how COVID-19 has impacted older adults, I was intrigued. When I listened back to the event, what stuck out to me was how participants reflected on their own experiences of aging and what continued to make their lives meaningful. No matter where you are on the aging journey, I hope these stories help you to think about what you want out of life at any age and how you might relate to those who are further along the road than you are. Okay, so imagine you've just retired. What do you think your daily routine would look like? Do you feel motivated or maybe obligated to pick up some kind of new activity or spend your time doing things you've been putting off? Rosalie Lepke was one of the panelists at this CMU event and she had something different in mind when she first retired. Well, when I first retired, I would guiltily sit in my sunroom and um, get this. I'd worry that somebody would phone and ask me, so what are you doing? Could I say nothing? Nothing? Was it retirement the time when people said, oh, I'm busier than ever? I, however, had decided that I didn't want to be busier than ever in retirement. Rather, uh, I wanted to be conscious about taking life a little slower, not being rushed, and to be able to stop and, you know, enjoy the moment. That was my retirement resolve. It's interesting that Rosalie worried about having to tell someone that she was slowing down and enjoying the moment. This says a lot about how much our culture values being busy. And you may have noticed that I didn't mention what Rosalie had done for work before retiring. And I made that choice because of what Rosalie said next, that retirement gave her an opportunity to define herself differently than what she had done for work. Take a listen. Now, here was at the beginning of my retirement an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to deeply examine that whole transition from being busy doing and then also defining myself by that doing and instead moving into a being 
being without any kind of career handle to, to grab onto. And I had read about this transition and I'd see people grappling with it. I'd done workshops on it. But to go from the theory through to the real lived experience is, is another thing. And for me, this task of redefining myself goes hand in hand with, with other inner work. And believe me, there's lots and lots of inner work to do. I don't live in a hut up in a mountain um, so that this, this uh, inner work is done in uh, the context of relationships around me. And this requires unflinching self-candor and self-examination. When Rosalie compared doing to being, something very basic occurred to me. We call ourselves human beings, not human doings. And yet, as Rosalie said, we often use things like an occupation or a title to define ourselves and tell our story. Retirement, it seems, gave Rosalie a chance to challenge this tendency and to do so within relationships that were ongoing, rather than in a hut on a mountain. This kind of inner work that she took up in retirement has also allowed Rosalie to pay attention to smaller details she missed before. And as she says, you might have had a similar experience depending on how your life was impacted by COVID-19. This gave me a time to be more attuned to my physical body's responses to um, life's experiences. In some ways, that's very much like what the pandemic has done for many of us. It has stopped us to be a little more thoughtful about our life because we had to. Now, of course, the disruption of the pandemic hasn't been even across the board. But I think Rosalie's right that at least on some level, we've all had to think more about what we do every day. How many times have you almost forgotten a mask when going out? You may have occasionally found during the past year or so that you just had to laugh about certain things, even things that were hard. This has also been part of Rosalie's experience in retirement and aging. For me also, humor has been a real healing balm in the midst of some pretty heavy tasks sometimes in life. Learning how to laugh at my own foibles, uh, reframing some of my life experiences so I can see them from a little bit of a lighter side. Um, sometimes it means casting aside any vision I might have of what a woman of my vintage uh, should be like and just allowing myself to lighten up. Now, I don't know about you, but there's definitely a lesson for me in there about lightening up. And hopefully I can do that even before I retire. Of course, some parts of the aging process are more heavy particularly if people feel isolated from younger generations. I'm going to let Rosalie take the floor for several minutes now, as she has some really powerful reflections on what older people want from their relationships with young people. And spoiler alert, it's not too much to ask. Rosalie also talks about how she wants to be treated if and when her abilities begin to decline. So enjoy listening to Rosalie, and I'll check in with you after. Now, retirement and aging is not experienced as golden by all. We've already heard about this. Yes, some seniors do feel pushed aside. They do feel forgotten, rejected, 
of little words, some feel like they're a burden to people around them. They may feel like their life and the wisdom that they've gained over all these years is no longer recognized and they are no longer offered any opportunities to share this. To date, this has not been my experience. Um, I find now uh, that I enjoy being in a supportive role, just kind of holding the space, being present, walking alongside, participating behind the scenes. In fact, I find that I revel in seeing the younger generation carrying leadership and responsibility, their creativity and, and their energy. For me, that's a, a natural transition. And uh, I'm privileged to be at the receiving end. One of the questions that was posed for this uh, discussion circled uh, around what sensibilities we as seniors need from younger folks. Well, it's always tricky to give advice, but let me offer a, a few observations from, the, from my own encounters with others and my own experience. Most of us seniors want and need continued connections with younger people, really. We do not want to sit and just discuss our maladies, or as one of my friends says, we want, don't want to be sit there and having organ recitals. We want to hear younger people's perspectives, their ideas, their experiences. In fact, it may even trigger something uh, creative for us. We as seniors, we do want to be recognized as whole persons. At, at all times, but I think this especially is so once we begin to have some difficulties, our senses begin to, I don't know, call it thinning, thinning out, become hard of hearing, perhaps our vision is dim, we may have a much slower response time, uh, may have difficulty comprehending all the things that are going on. Um, may have difficulty navigating what uh, were everyday things in the past, and now they seem just very complex. When that happens, um, if that happens to me, continue to include me in conversation, can continue to include me in, in visits without the condescension. Now, I want to say too that some of this stuff happens long before uh, we are needing uh, to go to any kind of a care facility. When this happens, listen between the lines. Listen for words that are not spoken. Try to catch the drift of what I'm trying to express when I'm having difficulty expressing things. Okay, you may want to ask if I need help, but if I say not right now, don't be hurt, just ask again and, and assist in unobtrusive kinds of ways. Or just sit with me. Should I have further disabilities and not be able to interact very much? Know that I still have a full range of emotions that I can experience. 
aging so far for me has been a, a gentle process. I have not been inducted into this chapter of life with debilitating illnesses or limiting life experiences. My partner and I are incredibly grateful for this because, as is well known, health and the support of family and friends and our independence are not to be taken for granted at any age, but especially, I think, once we are in this senior place. My hope is that I can age gracefully that I can receive help with gratitude once I do need help, and that I can recognize and celebrate the big and the small moments of joy and love open-heartedly. There's so much we could unpack there, but I think Rosalie says it better than I could. It really stuck out to me that someone's ability to communicate isn't the same as their emotional capacity. So we've already learned some pretty deep lessons about what aging means and how we might do it well, but we have yet to get to one of the basic questions we started with. When do you get old? Walter Weeb is another panelist at this event who introduced himself as representing the seniors. And he talked about trying to answer that question for himself. Now, because this event was on Zoom, Walter's signal was unfortunately a bit fuzzy, but that said, it's worth hearing his reflections in his voice. Here's Walter. My aging journey started the day I was born. I arrived at the old age stage, not sure when. Was it the day I retired from my regular employment? Or when my first pension check arrived? Or the day the realization came I could no longer play street hockey with my grandsons? Or was it when I bent down to tie my shoes and I looked around to see what else I could do while I was down there? Um, I guess that indicates it was a gradual process. The transition with a series of markers to remind me of the reality of becoming older. Well, that wasn't a simple answer. But Walter reminds us that aging has a variety of markers. These can be external, like retiring or getting a pension check or more personal, like trying to accomplish as much as possible each time you bend down to tie your shoes. Formal retirement in Canada tends to be pegged somewhere around one's mid-60s, at least for now. Those more physical aspects of aging are perhaps a bit more flexible, if you will. And yet, they happen to everyone at some degree, and as Walter says, those transitions come with real losses. Along the journey of aging, a recurrent encounter was the realization of not being able to do some things anymore. Each relinquishment was a loss. And although I try to see each activity given up as an opportunity to explore something new, something less active, uh, less demanding, the losses were real, and space for grieving these losses needed attention. I think for Walter to say those losses needed attention is a good insight. I mentioned earlier that I study therapeutic recreation, and the discipline focuses a lot on maintaining ability or embracing the positives and finding new leisure activities, and that's great. But Walter points out that there's also a need for balance. Grieving our losses of all kinds is part of life and part of aging. 
Walter also talked about maintaining quality of life for people as they age, which includes keeping people in familiar surroundings of home and community as much as possible. As Walter says in this brief clip, this requires changes in policy, but also more broadly in our culture. One aspect of more resources being made available is finding ways to keep seniors in their own homes longer. Um, this would mean upgrading our home care and other services to seniors. But more than money is required. We need to nurture a mindset that sees each person as having worth and dignity beyond their ability to contribute to the economic sphere of our culture. We need to value people for more than what they contribute economically. This reminds me of Rosalie's contrast between being and doing. And I hope we can apply this lesson at all ages. I find the common small talk question, what do you do, kind of limiting, because we almost always assume it's about what you do for work. In times where I've been unemployed or feeling snarky or both, I've sometimes answered that question, I eat, sleep, and breathe. And yet, many older people want to continue making active contributions to society, but don't always have the easiest time doing that after retiring. I'm going to bring in one last panelist for a little pep talk. Barbara Nepenak is an elder of the Pine Creek First Nation. And here, elder is a specific title and role within the community, different from how words like senior refer simply to age. Barbara reaches out to friends of hers and encourages them to find purpose every day. Well, what I, I've done personally is reach out to some of my friends, especially the ones that are alone, that are single, that are widowed, so forth. I've reached out to them. And, uh, and then we all support each other. I probably, in my, with my close friends that I call, I probably call about 10 of them. And uh, so we all check on each other to make sure everybody's okay. But one of the most important things that I said, I, I shared with my friend is, every morning you have to have purpose. If you don't have purpose, you know, it's not a, a good day. It's fine to watch TV for a little while, but there is life beyond that. And I think it's important that we always look after it, especially our community. I can only speak about our community, how we care for one another and how we reach out to one another. And, uh, and how we support each other. So knowing what you want in a day might help you get the most out of it. And as for how to do that, Barbara is a big supporter of older people volunteering their time and sharing what they've learned. Here's a little more from her on the benefits of volunteering. You know, because, you know, we as seniors or elders, we have a, a lot of knowledge that we can share. I think that's, a, you know, it's, all, it's about giving of yourself, giving of your energy and giving of your wisdom and and that's what it's about and then in, and then in return there's that self-satisfaction that you you've made a difference in somebody's life so there we have it while aging comes with losses it also comes with a variety of opportunities from deeper self-reflection to sharing what one has learned and building different kinds of relationships i hope you've enjoyed thinking about aging from a few different perspectives today whether it was on your mind before or not I had fun putting this episode together and learning from these panelists. And that brings us to the end of our fourth episode of So What? As CMU follows the rhythm of the academic calendar, we're going to take a break for the spring and summer. I'd love to hear what you thought of this first season of So What? and what else you might like to hear going forward. 
You can keep in touch through our Facebook page at facebook.com slash so what podcast. Thanks for listening. And I'll chat with you again in September. Take care, everybody.